Bless the Lord. Let's turn again for our final, our, our final morning on the Pentecostal flame, the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This morning we're going to look at prophecy and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning to read at verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. I think we've looked at that throughout the, uh, the mornings that we've been studying this, verse 5, and there are differences of administrations, how they are administered, in other words. We have looked at that, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, how they, they outwork, uh, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Notice, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice the, the diversities, the differences, and the administrations, the gifts, the operations, all of it is from the same Lord, the same Spirit, but notice it manifests. So every assembly, every believer, but every assembly should be manifesting the gifts. And it's given to every man to profit with all. That's the, it's for our profit and for our good. Verse 8 says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy. That's where we are this morning to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Let's pray. Father, your word is forever settled in heaven. It will not return unto you void. Your word Lord, it's your word that we rest in. It's your word that gives us hope in our hearts and direction for our lives. So we ask you now, Father, just to again, in your great mercy and kindness, inscribe your word upon our hearts and print your word upon our minds and help us, Lord, this morning to understand the things of the mysteries of the kingdom of God we love your Son, the Lord Jesus, and we ask it in his name for his glory. Amen. So we must ask this morning, because he, we've read there that the Lord, the Spirit, gives to another prophecy. What is prophecy? Here's a definition for you for prophecy. Prophecy is history foretold. And history is prophecy fulfilled. I'll say it again. Prophecy is history foretold. And history is prophecy fulfilled. And the real meaning of that is, is when God speaks it, it must come to pass. And it becomes history. As time develops. For example, when we read Isaiah 53, for he was wounded, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With the stripes we are healed. All we led sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath led in him the iniquity of us all. Speaking of Christ, 700 
plus years that would happen later. And then a prophecy then speaks of this. As time comes, it is fulfilled and becomes now to us its history. And when we look at the history, we see the prophecy. Is everybody with me on that? See, what God says, God means. He says what he means, and he means what he says. And so when God speaks the word, it does not return unto him void. It is forever settled in heaven when it's his word. So what is prophecy? Prophecy is, according to Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Notice, it wasn't man's will. Man can't will prophecy. I know we hear many places, and unfortunately people class themselves as Pentecostal, and that's what maybe does some damage, where you know, speak your own existence into being and all that sort of stuff. Listen, the sovereign Lord is the one who speaks our existence into being. It doesn't matter how much you will it, want it, or wish it. If it's not God's will, it ain't going to happen. It's as simple as that. Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And the word here for moved means they were born along or carried along by the Spirit. And as the Spirit came, they were carried along and they spoke as the Spirit had carried them. Prophecy is an inspired utterance made under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. Prophecy is an inspired utterance made under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, briefly, there's four avenues of prophecy, okay? Four avenues. First of all, the first avenue is Bible prophecy. Secondly, there is the spirit of prophecy. Thirdly, there is a gift of prophecy. And fourthly, there's the office of a prophet. So first of all, Bible prophecy. Bible prophecy is the teaching of the prophetic scriptures. Those which have been fulfilled and those which are yet to be fulfilled. For example, the preaching of salvation. We talked about it there, of Christ's coming. Now where we are, it's the second coming of Christ. Prophecy as relating to the identification of the house of Israel. Of the house of Judah. Of the nations in the end times. It's known as the kingdom of God. The prophecy is the kingdom of God on earth, prophecy of how Christ will come, not when, for we don't know the day or hour, but how he will come. Prophecy to do with what will happen in Babylon, spiritual Babylon, religious Babylon, economical Babylon. All prophecy from the scriptures we read, we interpret, God shows it before it happens, but it does not make you a soothsayer. It doesn't make you someone who can tell the future but it shows you the signs that are to come and tells us what the Lord is going to do before he does it. The Holy Spirit shows us through the word of God that what he is going to do, what the nations will be like, what to look out for before he does it. He doesn't do anything first without revealing it to his prophets. So notice this then. Secondly, there is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is when a powerful anointing comes upon a meeting or upon a person and the presence of the Holy Spirit if you want catches them up 
That is, they, they are such, there's such a, an awareness of the Spirit that, that catches them up and they prophesy. And then they may never do it again. It's the spirit of prophecy. Come on, someone, they'll prophesy, and that might be it. Maybe you don't even realize they've prophesied. Let me show you some examples in Scripture. Numbers chapter 11, please. Numbers chapter 11. As I said, all the gifting of the Spirit you can find in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 11, please. And let's read verse 25 onwards. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it to the 70, under the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. And there remained two of the men in the camp the name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other, Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out into the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Moses, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, pardon me, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men answered and said, My Lord, Moses forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Notice that. Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses got him into the camp, he and the others. Notice, spirit of God comes upon so many of them, they prophesied. It means they didn't stop. It means they were just prophesying, prophesying. I don't know what they were saying. It's not documented. It's not written. You know, we think of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Hosea and Amos and all these others. But it isn't written, but we're told they prophesied. Now, in the church today, you might say, well, what does it mean? What is it for? And listen, I don't know. We don't know. We're not told. They prophesied. And they just kept pouring forth from them, but we never hear of these men prophesying again. And we never read of them again prophesying. So the Spirit of God can come on someone and prophesy. First Samuel, please. First Samuel chapter 10. Verse 5. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. And it shall come to pass that when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret, a pipe and a harp, before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. When people are caught up, as it were, in the spirit like this to prophesy or interpret tongues, interpretation, which is in power in the church with prophecy, we looked at it last week. When men are caught up in the spirit like this, they turn into another man in the sense that they don't even realize what they're saying. 
There were many times but people would say, do you remember what you said? And I said, no, I couldn't tell you. You said this and that was said and that. I said, I don't remember. Because you're taken out of yourself, as it were, out of your own mind, your own thoughts, and God just starts to use you. He comes upon you. Now, I notice this. These prophets, these men are prophets, but here Saul has been anointed with a vial of oil, and he's not even God's choice, but God's Spirit comes upon him. Note this shows you. God will anoint and use in a word of prophecy those whom he will. You and I can't say, well, you know, they don't meet my degree or character. God used Balaam's donkey to speak. Think about it. Now, if God can use an ass, he can use you and me or any of us. Isn't that true? God can work through anyone. God prophesied through an old Pharisee. God can use whoever he wants. He may use once, twice. He may use you. He may use someone that you think, how on earth does the Lord use them? But you know what? It's up to God whom he uses. He's sovereign. He'll do what he will. So then it says here, Verse 7, And let it be when these signs are come unto thee that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Let's look at another one then. Let's go to the New Testament. New Testament to Luke's Gospel. And if you notice, this is all pre-cross. Still in the Old Covenant even here in the book of Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. We're still in the Old Covenant. And in the New Covenant, God pours out His Spirit upon His church. The ecclesia that called out. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And let your eye run down just to verse 40. And he entered into the house, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Notice, Elizabeth's filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now Elizabeth is saying, what the Lord has given to you, the Lord's speaking in prophetic utterance. He's going to complete it. People miss that. That's prophecy. And then if you want to let your eye, I'll tell you what, that's just for time's sake. Let's go to Acts chapter 19. I know this is like a Bible study, but this is our last morning on this, and I I would advise you, I know you you hear my voice quite a lot, but I would advise you to start at part one and go through it all again. Especially last week, tongues and interpretation, because that's the one everybody seems to speak about, especially last week. Now notice this, in Acts chapter 19, let your eye run down to verse 6. 
I tell you what, let's go up just to verse 5. And when they heard this, this is Paul. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Notice, now these men are here together, and they're actually in Ephesus. People think it's just the church of Corinth, because that's where Paul writes the letters about the gifts of the Spirit. These people are in Ephesus. This is, an early, this is the, early, the start of the early church of Ephesus. So here we're, we're saying it's not just in one church, it was universal church, if you want, global church. Well, it wasn't global at this point, but it's universal. Now, I notice this. Verse 7, And all the men were about 12, so there's 12 of them, and went into... And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from, from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, and God wrought special miracles. Special miracles. What's the difference? Some miracles we class as special, isn't there? Miracles have different levels, and we all think a miracle's a miracle, but there are special miracles. We class them as special miracles. So from, that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons and diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. So now we're seeing even the anointing of handkerchiefs. Alison had read from uh, the book of James. And, you know, if there's any, James says, if there's any sick among you, let him anoint, that they call the elders, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And, you know, and Alison had read the bit about if any confess your faults or your sins. The sins isn't you're confessing to a priest, by the way. The sin there is if you've hurt one another, sinned against one another, go and make it up. That's the idea of it. Get it out of the road. You know, put your, you know, apologize for it. Confessing your sins, you know, whatever you confess to others, you can be assured that it will go to someone else and to someone else. And until everybody knows your sin, you don't do that. You confess to the Lord Jesus and nobody else. And here, Paul is telling us that there's special miracles to be had and also even the anointing of a cloth. Now, I'm not big into that, but I have seen it done and I have seen it work with oil in the name of the Lord. So much more that we miss out on. We really say, well, Lord, what do you think in this? So here we have, they're speaking with tongues, they're prophesying. They're not speaking in different languages because there's nobody else there but their 12 mates. Now, if it was other languages, why would they need to speak in other languages? They're prophesying, which means it's, it's of the Spirit and it is heavenly language. Okay. So we have Bible prophecy. That is the Spirit of prophecy coming on. And then we have the prophetic office. The prophetic office, thirdly. 1 Corinthians 12, please. 
1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. We looked at this, I think it was in part one or part two. And God hath set some in the church. Remember the word set means concreted. Concreted. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, for those who want to take out, there's no apostles of the modern age. And there's no prophets left today. Does that mean then we just take those out and say, well, we've still got teachers? We've still got helps? And what's do we take out of our own because we believe we want to take it out? But rather we believe we take the whole scripture or none of it. So we take the whole scripture that God has concreted in the church. Now, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's just read a couple of verses. Let's write on down to verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So are we without evangelists now too? Again, teachers. What did he give them for and for how long? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. Are we perfected yet? Dear, help us if we are. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Notice, for the work of the ministry. The ministry needs these. For the edifying of the body of Christ, to build up the body, to build up our brothers and sisters. When? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, we're not there yet. We're working to be there. We're walking to be there. But we're not there yet. So they're in the church. Have to be. Okay, Acts chapter 11. I'm just watching the clock. I want you to get away to come out tonight because we have a big night tonight. The kids are getting involved and they're all practiced hard. And Acts chapter 11, please. And verse, let your eye run down, verse 27. They're at Antioch here. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Antioch is where the name Christian first came from, we're told. The followers of Christ became called Christians first. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout the whole world. Now you're told that it was only the apostles who were the prophets by many people. Isn't that true? Just the apostles and that was it. Well, here's another prophet and there's prophets came to Jerusalem. Scriptures are telling us that. So it goes beyond just the 12 or even the 120 in the upper room. And there stood up one of them, the Amagabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a dearth or there's going to be famine. That reminds me of Joseph. 
Joseph was able to interpret a dream rather than a tongue. He interpreted a dream to tell Pharaoh there was going to be a famine in the land. Okay, and let's go again to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets. There's prophets in the church of Antioch. And teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Brought up with Herod. Here's a man who was in probably Herod's palace who may well have been one of his slaves or servants. He's a prophet. Scriptures tell us plainly, chapter 15, Chapter 15, let your eye run down again to verse 32. And Judas and Silas being prophets. There's more prophets. My word, there's more prophets than you thought, isn't there? Who's noticed all those prophets before? Be honest. Anyone? People think, oh, no, no, it's just the 12. Is that right? There's prophets all over the scriptures. And Judas and Silas being prophets also themselves exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Now we have a word and then confirmed other words. A, a, a way of prophecy is to confirm a word to someone's heart. Okay, so we have those, the prophetic office. Fourthly is the gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 12 and 10 tells us of the gift of of prophecy. This differs from the spirit of prophecy, as it's this is an abiding gift. Let me, the, the, the gifts of the spirit are really hard to explain, so I'm going to try and explain it the best I can, best I know. It differs from the spirit of prophecy. It is, a, it is an abiding gift, not a one-off utterance. So the spirit of prophecy may come in anybody, any time, and they may say something never happen again. Spirit of prophecy you may not even know you've said it, but you've spoke something. You didn't realize it. It also differs from the office of a prophet, which we have looked at previous there. As it uses, this is used, the gift of prophecy is used in a local assembly. So the office of a prophet, there's people who, who have stepped into that place with God where he's given them or set them in the place of an office of a prophet. No matter where they go, they see God gives them that for that situation. Now, please don't get me wrong. I, don't do, I do not go into all this stuff. I, in fact, that I don't do, go into it. I think it's a lot of nonsense. We were at this meeting one time, and it was way up in the country, and it was a tent meeting, and they said, some guy got up the front, and he says, listen, there's another tent down the road, just down the lane there. If you want to go down there, go in there and get your prophecy. I was waiting on the crystal ball, coming in somebody one way a hook nose, sitting. And they were all going down, like, all walking down in rows, all going down, and somebody was I wouldn't go. We, we actually left and went home. <coughs> prophecy tent. That's what it says, prophecy tent. Now, brothers and sisters, this is just making a mockery. Yeah. There are people who have an office of a prophet, and God has them there to use them all over the place. And it's happened and it's worked. The gift of prophecy is different because that's where God gifts you for that assembly that you are in. 
So you might have a gift of prophecy, and once you leave the assembly, God may not give it to you. You're settled and well done, well settled in another assembly. All of this, let's go and sit in the tent, and well, they're all going up like lost sheep. They're all walking up and standing at the door. Next one comes in. I, I thought if I looked at it, honestly, I thought it would have seemed like a round table and some wee witch sitting with a crystal ball, the way they had it going. It was ridiculous. Come and get your prophecy. The gift of prophecy is for the building up of God's people. And also, listen, George Jeffries. Everybody's heard of George Jeffries, the founder of Elam and the Bible Pattern Church. Wonderful evangelist. George Jeffries likened 1 Corinthians 14. Look at, look at this in verse 3. Notice this, 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 3. It says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, number one, to exhortation, number two, and to comfort, number three. Notice three things. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. So he who prophesies, she who prophesies, must speak unto those. Edification, exhortation, comfort. And he likened it like this. He says it's like a, it's triangular if you want. For example, edification, it's a, it's a word, oikodome. Oikodome, and it means... It's a, it comes from a base word for to be like an architecture of a building, the structure. It gives the idea of confirmation to build up. And so the first thing is a, a prophecy, a word of prophecy should be something that has great foundation. Here it is. Here it is. Great foundation is built on the word and everything else must be built upon that word. So the edification is the building up and the confirmation, the ex, pardon me, the advocation, the exhortation is a paraclesis. And it gives the idea of inciting encouragement. In the church, that is. Now, an office of a prophet can come and say, thus saith the Lord to the government. The office of the prophet can say, you have turned your face from God, thus this will happen. And even in the church, we may say, the, the, uh, the, uh, the gift of prophecy may be, you have turned, but the Lord calls you back, or something like that. But it's never to pull you down in the church. It may to push you on. It may to encourage you in. But it's always to build you up. It's always for the good. And it's always according to the word. Notice this. It means, it gives the idea to implore and to entice encouragement in God's people. Exhortation and comfort simply means what it is. It comforts. Consolation. It's a word. Parmaothea. It means the comfort. So we're almost through. That's the four of them. Okay. Now, judging prophecy. And this is for all of you. First John chapter 4. What does the scripture say? First John chapter 4 verse 1. Notice what it says. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So you can judge. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 29 says that, pardon me, 
Verse 29 says, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. How do we judge? Well, we go back to the other discerning of spirits. 1 Corinthians 12 and 10. That's why God gives us the gift of discernment. That we can discern the spirit that's manifesting. Is it of God? Isaiah chapter 8, please. Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, please. Verse 19. Here's one for all of you who think of going to a palm reader or your soothsaying prophecy tent. The wee witch with the ball and the, the scarf over her head, whatever way you want to look at it. Or whether you want to go to someone who's going to tell you your future or a spiritist. And listen, spiritists will tell you everything you want to hear. They are not of God. They're off the devil. They are not your auntie and uncle Bob and they're not granny so-and-so speaking to you through them. That is not true. They are manifesting spirits. They are manifesting spirits. But they know so much about me. And they said, of course they do. Of course they do. The spirits have been about when your family was about. And they'll manifest through these people to tell you everything you need or want to hear. Look at what it says in verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits. And unto wizards that peep and that mutter. There's quite a lot of them. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. If someone comes and gives you a word and it's not in the word of God or it's against the word of God, just totally disregard it. It's not of God. It's not of him. So we'll close with this. For our Fenton says on this reading, you come to the razor of spirits and those taught by the whispers, the enchanted, should not a people go to its God, to the living, not to the dead, to the law and to its evidence. So, when there's a prophetic word, there's four avenues of prophecy. When you hear, when I open the scriptures and I pick a topic and it's on, whether it's on the end times in Jerusalem or whether it's in Ezekiel chapter 38, um, whether it's uh, even in Isaiah 53, past prophecy, we're looking at prophecy fulfilled. We're looking at prophecy to be fulfilled. We're in the region of prophecy there. That's what that is. You're in the spirit of prophecy when... It's all off the spirit, but you're in the spirit of prophecy when we're going through the scriptures. But the spirit of prophecy then can come on someone to speak that word. The gift of prophecy is someone 
who is used time and again in an assembly. Tongues and interpretation of tongues are of the same power of that prophetic word. And of course then, as we have looked, there's the office of a prophet. Where they, wherever they go and carry, God gives them a word. Not for every single Tom, Dick, Harry, and Uncle Bob and Jim and all that sort of stuff. God gives them a word for a situation, for a people, for a place. So that's the nine gifts. There's been nine weeks. That's one for each flight feather that we've talked about. And I'm hoping that's helped some people by the way, because the people think, you know, well, these, these people who are Pentecostals, they must just think, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to fall into this whole, you know, ecstaticness of, uh, of joy. And, you know, I'm just going to try this tongue thing. And I'm just going to try praying for the sick because we feel it. We think it says it in the scriptures. Or we're just going to try and prophesy and think what comes into our head. And it's not like that. You know, believe it or not, Pentecostals have good theology. And we can be deep in theology too. People think that we aren't. Well, it depends on who they are, obviously. You know, but we can be deep in theology as well. So God bless his word to all of us for his name's sake. Amen.